Hey, this is Christopher Radio Fire Radio. I am so happy to be here with you. I'm going to be talking about Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin. Um, as I said in my commercial, I'm pretty shocked, appalled, and dismayed at the level of disrespect that I feel Tucker Carlson showed towards uh, Vladimir Putin. I don't believe he would do that to Biden. Uh, I don't believe he would do that to Trump. But I think this speaks to the attitude that is out there amongst the United States. And it shows a lack of our education. Um, it, It shows a lack of us trying to understand what this issue with Ukraine is really about. You know, we've been fed a whole bunch of information, a whole bunch of disinformation and misinformation, and it continues to swallow us up. It continues to cause us to not see the truth. And as I've spoken to you many times on this podcast, truth is what we're after. Truth is where we can stand day in and day out and do what we need to do. As American citizens, we should want the truth at all times and at all costs. And as soon as our leaders, our representatives, uh, the people in the media step away from that truth, it should produce a red flag with inside of you in a way that almost angers you. I'm angered at this interview on so many different levels and in so many different ways, but I want you to hear, I want you to see what took place, what transpired, so that you can understand where I'm coming from. A lot of people are not going to pick this apart. They're not going to show you the things that I'm going to show you because they like the personality of Tucker Carlson. It's okay to like someone. It's okay to like their personality. But our first allegiance should be to God. Our second allegiance should be to the truth. And to the degree that we're not getting truth on a daily basis from all of our media sources, I feel like we should be hyper-vigilant hyper-vigilant to this degree in making sure that everything that's being told to us can be backed up with chapter and verse, meaning history, meaning actions, meaning different things that are, are, are put out there that you can say, Dag, this isn't, this isn't the, tr- the, the things that are being told to us are not true. Vladimir Putin goes into this when he talks, and we'll, we'll go over this, but one of the things that he says is our media is in control of not only the media in the United States, but the media in Europe. And he says, I can't even fight against it. This is the, the president of a large, large nation. And he says, I can't even fight against the media. How powerful is that weapon that is being used against us? And we're a part of that system. We're Americans. 
but our own media is not doing the job that it's supposed to do in telling us the truth. Like I say, I'm, I'm disgusted with this whole thing, but there's a lot of truths that Vladimir Putin pointed out that I think are important that you need to see. The number one truth is he has been doing this all along because his people asked him to help. His people asked him to help, and historically he said it's not right that the, the people that are there in that country, in Ukraine, are being run over. And he, he came in, he helped, and this is exactly what he said he was going to do. So let's look at this. Okay, here we go. The following is an interview with the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin, shot February 6, 2024, at about 7 p.m. in the building behind us, which is, of course, the Kremlin. The interview, as you will see if you watch it, is primarily about the war in progress, the war in Ukraine, how it started, what's happening, and most pressingly, how it might end. One note before you watch. At the beginning of the interview, we asked the most obvious question, which is, why did you do this? Did you feel a threat, an imminent physical threat? And that's your justification. And the answer we got shocked us. Putin went on for a very long time, probably half an hour, about the history of Russia going back to the 8th century. And honestly, we thought this was a filibustering technique and found it annoying and interrupted him several times. And he responded he was annoyed uh, by the interruption. But we concluded in the end, for what it's worth, that it was not a filibustering technique. There was no time limit on the interview. We ended it after more than two hours. Instead, what you're about to see seemed to us sincere, whether you agree with it or not. Vladimir Putin believes that Russia has a historic claim to parts of Western Ukraine. So our opinion would be to view it in that light as a sincere expression of what he thinks. And with that, here it is. Mr. President, thank you. On February 22nd, 2022, you addressed your country in a nationwide address when the conflict in Ukraine started. And you said that you were acting because you had come to the conclusion that the United States through NATO might initiate a quote, surprise attack on our country. And to American ears, that sounds paranoid. Tell us why you believe the United States might strike Russia out of the blue. How did you conclude that? It's not that America, the United States, was going to launch a surprise strike on Russia. I didn't say that. Are we? So let's stop there for a second. Listen at the question. He said that Vladimir Putin said the United States was going to attack Russia. And this is the reason for the movement into Ukraine. The area is called the Donbass, which is Luhansk, Donetsk, Mariupol. These three particular regions are the ones in question right now. Crimea, years back, I believe it was in 2014, said, hey, please come help us. And Vladimir Putin, after some elections took place in that region stepped in and, and they, they came in and helped so the same thing is taking place in Luhansk, Donetsk, Mariupol, the Donbass region and this is what's 
been going on, has been going on, will continue to go on until we, the United States, step back and let these people do what needs to be done. So listen very carefully and very closely to what Vladimir Putin is saying because he gives very specific, detailed information that, as you're going to see as the interview goes on, Tucker Carlson just completely ignores. Having a talk show or a serious conversation. <laughs> Here's the quote. <laughs> yeah, this was completely disrespectful because Vladimir Putin asked him, he says, are we having a talk show or a serious conversation? And this silly laughter, this silly look on his face is like, oh, yeah, I got him. I got him now. I got him on the run. No, Tucker, you don't have him on the run. You're missing the whole point of why he, he made the decision to have you come over to his country and do this interview. There's, there's a reason for this. He figured you were a person of reasonable character, a person of reasonable integrity, and that you would seek the truth. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? Seeking the truth. If Vladimir Putin had ill motives, really wanted to just go in and take over the whole of Europe, he would have done it. But he has proven that he does not want to do this. But we get this silly Tucker Carlson with this laughter and not taking this thing seriously. Listen. Thank you. It's a formidable serious because your basic education is in history as far as I understand. Yes. You hear what he said? Vladimir Putin has done his homework on Tucker Carlson. He knows his education is in history. So he's hoping that he will understand the history behind this region and really listen with a pure heart pure motives, and, and, and do something about what he's about to tell him. Look at the silly little grin on Tucker Carlson's face. So if you don't mind, I will take only 30 seconds or one minute to give you a short reference to history for giving you a little historical background. Please. Now, I don't know if this 30 seconds was a translation error or minute was a translation error, but it is clear that he went beyond 30 seconds in talking about this. This should not have angered Tucker Carlson. This should not have put him on the defensive because, hey, we're here for the truth. We're here to see the truth. But it happened. They said 30 seconds. They said one minute. He literally did go on for a half an hour. But listen at what the man says. <clears throat> Let's look where our relationship with Ukraine started from. Where did Ukraine come from? The Russian state started gathering itself as a centralized statehood, and it is considered to be the year of the establishment of the Russian state in 862. When the townspeople of Novgorod invited a Varangian prince, Rurik, from Scandinavia to reign. 
1862, Russia celebrated the 1,000th anniversary of its statehood. And in Novgorod, there is a memorial dedicated to the 1,000th anniversary of the country. In 882, Rurik's successor, Prince Oleg, who was actually playing the role of regent at Rurik's younger son, because Rurik had died by that time, came to Kiev. He ousted two brothers, who apparently had once been members of Rurik's squad. So Russia began to develop with two centers of power, <coughs> Kiev and Novgorod. The next very significant date in the history of Russia was 988. This was the baptism of Russia, when Prince Vladimir, the great-grandson of Rurik, baptized Russia and adopted Orthodoxy, or Eastern Christianity. So listen to this very carefully. 988, Vladimir Putin is laying out the case that Russia became orthodox in its Christianity. 988. Things happened since then. Things, things were done by Stalin and Lenin. But the basic history of Russia was Christian. I know that this blows your mind as an American citizen because we've been told that Russia is the devil and they've done things devilish and Vladimir Putin has horns and a, a, a hook and all this other kind of craziness. But this is not what he's saying. He is drawing upon the deep history of Christianity of their country. Listen. From this time, the centralized Russian state began to strengthen. Why? Because of the single territory, integrated economic ties, one and the same language and, after the baptism of Russia, the same faith and rule of the prince. The centralized Russian state began to take shape. Back in the Middle Ages, Prince Yaroslav the Wise introduced the order of succession to a throne. But after he passed away, it became complicated for various reasons. The throne was passed not directly from father to eldest son, but from the prince, who had passed away to his brother, then to his sons in different lines. All this led to the fragmentation and the end of Rus as a single state. There was nothing special about it. The same was happening then in Europe. But the fragmented Russian state became an easy prey to the empire created earlier by Genghis Khan. His successors, namely Batu Khan, came to Rus, plundered and ruined nearly all the cities. So do you hear what he said? He's going back into history. So in 988, Christianity, Orthodox Christianity came to Russia. But immediately following that, Genghis Khan came in with his ways. And, and hold on, let me look up and see what Genghis Khan's religion was. Because I'm going to do my due diligence. 
I'm going to do my due diligence because this is what we need. We, we need to have truth shoved into. So, this is off of Google. The Golden Horde, Genghis Khan, the religion to convert to Islam or other rulers of the Golden Horde. Takta continued to follow Tengrism mongrel pagan beliefs or buddhism so you got christianity being merged with islam being merged with buddhism and other pagan belief systems which genghis khan at the time said we're just going to merge all of these things together and we're going to live so if you don't know your history genghis khan took over a good part of the world Russia included. Russia could not overtake or overcome Genghis Khan. They 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 became their victims. Listen. The southern part, including Kiev, by the way, and some other cities simply lost independence, while northern cities preserved some of their sovereignty. They had to pay tribute to the Horde, but they managed to preserve some part of their sovereignty. And then a unified Russian state began to take shape with its center in Moscow. The southern part of Russian lands, including Kiev, began to gradually gravitate towards another magnet, the center that was emerging in Europe. This was the Grand Duchy of Lithuania. It was even called the Lithuanian Russian Duchy, because Russians were a significant part of this population. They spoke the old Russian language and were Orthodox. But then there was a unification, the union of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania and the Kingdom of Poland. A few years later, another union was signed, but this time already in the religious sphere. Some of the Orthodox priests became subordinate to the Pope. Thus, these lands became part of the Polish-Lithuanian state. Look at Putin's face. Look how intense he is in trying to explain this to the history person, Tucker Carlson. He's wanting him to understand. He's wanting you and me to understand that this has been about the freedom of Ukraine to be able to hold its Orthodox Christian Russian beliefs. Do you see this? Did you hear that in what he's saying? And he's saying these different kings came in and did these merges. This last merge he was talking about was with Polish and Ukraine, Polish and Lithuania, and it made different things happen and transpire. But the Russian Ukraine got to keep its sovereignty with a few concessions. It got to keep its ability to be able to be a country and keep its Russian history, its Russian orthodoxy, and everybody was happy. 
During decades, the Poles were engaged in Polonization of this part of the population. They introduced their language there, tried to entrench the idea that this population was not exactly Russians, that because they lived on the French, they were Ukrainians. Originally, the word Ukrainian meant that the person was living on the outskirts of the state. So you hear this. This is exactly what's going on today in Ukraine. The Russians that are in Ukraine are being treated as second-class citizens. They're being pushed out. They're being terrorized by uh, Vladimir Zelensky. And they've taken on this mentality that historically, he, he's going back, he's pointing to the Polish people, historically has been going on. Continue to listen along the fringes or was engaged in a border patrol service. It didn't mean any particular ethnic group. So the Poles were trying to, in every possible way, to polonize this part of the Russian lands and actually treated it rather harshly, not to say cruelly. All that led to the fact that this part of the Russian lands began to struggle for their rights. They wrote letters to Warsaw demanding that their rights be observed and people be commissioned here, including to Kiev. I beg your pardon, can you tell us what period I'm losing track of where in history we... How are you losing track of... Are you even paying attention? We are. The, the, the Polish oppression of Ukraine. It was in the 13th century. Now I will tell you what happened later and give the dates so that there is no confusion. And in 1654, even a bit earlier, the people who were in control of the authority over that part of the Russian lands addressed Warsaw, I repeat, demanding that they send them to rulers of Russian origin and Orthodox faith. When Warsaw did not answer them and in fact rejected their demands, they turned to Moscow so that Moscow took them away. So, the Ukrainian people at this time, he's saying the 1600s, requested of Poland that they have Orthodox Russians, they have Russian leadership. Poland denied it. So what did Ukraine do at this time? They reached back out to Mother Russia and said, hey, we need help. We need help. Please help us. Look at how, look at the intensity on Putin's face. He's looking at uh, Carlson like, do you get it? Do you get where I'm going? Can you see this? So that you don't think that I'm inventing things. I'll give you these documents. Well, I, I, it doesn't sound like you're inventing, and I'm, I'm not sure why it's relevant to what happened two years ago. But you're not sure why it's relevant to what happened two years ago? You are a history person. What is the major thing that we say about history? If you don't learn history, you are doomed to repeat it. You're doomed to repeat it. Watch the disrespect that comes from Tucker Carlson when it comes 
to this paper that Putin is excited to give him. Hey, I got proof. Historically, I got proof of what's happened to the people of Ukraine. I want to show this to you. Watch, watch this. This is, this is crazy. These are documents from the archives, copies. Here are the letters from Bogdan Khmelnytsky, the man who then controlled the power in this part of the Russian lands that is now called Ukraine. He wrote to Warsaw demanding that their rights be upheld. And after being refused, he began to write letters to Moscow, asking to take them under the strong hand of the Moscow Tsar. There are copies of these documents. I will leave them for your good memory. There is a translation into Russian, you can translate it into English later. Russia would not agree to admit them straight away, assuming that the war with Poland would start. Nevertheless, in 1654, the pan-Russian assembly of top clergy and landowners headed by the Tsar, which was the representative body of the power of the old Russian state, decided to include a part of the old Russian lands into Moscow Kingdom. As expected, the war with Poland began. It lasted 13 years and then, in 1654, a truce was concluded. And 32 years later, I think, a peace treaty with Poland, which they called Eternal Peace, was signed. And these lands, the whole left bank of Dnieper, including Kiev, went to Russia. And the whole right bank of Dnieper remained in Poland. Under the rule of Catherine the Great, Russia reclaimed all of its historical lands, including in the south and west. This all lasted until the revolution. Before World War I, Austrian general staff relied on the ideas of Ukrainianization and started actively promoting the ideas of Ukraine and the Ukrainianization. Their motive was obvious. Just before World War I, they wanted to weaken the potential enemy and secure themselves favorable conditions in the border area. So the idea which had emerged in Poland that people residing in that territory were allegedly not really Russians, but rather belonged to a special ethnic group, Ukrainians, started being propagated by the Austrian general staff. You hear what he's saying? You hear what he's saying? Oh, he was saying this is where the mindset and the ideology that the people in Ukraine weren't really Russian. They were just outcasts of the Polish people. They were outcasts of the people in the region. And this is the mindset that people have now. These Ukrainians aren't really Russian. They don't have any history. They don't have any origin to being tied to Russia. They don't have any history or origin being tied to Ukraine. They were just outcasted people. So we can do with them anything that we want to do. Do you follow the, the thought process, the reasoning process? It, it, Putin is very, very smart in doing this because he's showing you historically, Mr. Tucker Carlson, Historically, this has been done. They're doing the same thing that they did in 1654, back again in 2024, which this thing actually started in 2022.
So Tucker Carlson, you as student of history, should be as outraged as we are because, again, these people are continuously being railroaded. And no one is stepping in to help them. So, going with the thought process of everybody today, Russia's just trying to take over territory, and he's going to destroy the whole world. It's not true. It's, it's never been true. The narrative that's been placed in the media is wrong. It needs to stop. But, hey, here we are. Thank you for listening. I, I told you this was going to get deep, and I, I'm, I'm going line by line so that you can see and you can understand. Let's continue on with the next part. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later. <laughs>